Welcome to another episode of Comedy Wham Presents with me, your host, Valerie, and sometime co-host, Miss Purrington. ComedyWham.com is your place to go for features about all Austin comedy. You can keep up with us on Twitter and Instagram at Comedy Wham or on our Comedy Wham Facebook page. In addition to podcasts, Comedy Wham brings you articles, album reviews, our new column, Rochelle Takes on Comedy, and our monthly Comedy Wham showcase at Hops and Time in Lakeway on first Tuesdays. Have you checked out our newly renovated events page for live shows in Austin, Houston, and DFW? If you're a comic in those cities and want your show featured on the calendar, go to the events page and click Submit a Show to complete the short survey. If you like the new survey, send us a quick review and we'll share your review and promo your show on Instagram. Looking for ways to support all these resources that we provide? You can donate to Comedy Wham! on PayPal, Venmo, or even Patreon. Search for Comedy Wham! on Patreon and check out our subscriber perks. Now let's get back to our podcast. Launched in 2016, the podcast project brings you funny people and their stories. As a fan, I like to delve into a comic's background and motivations and will usually take a detour along the way. Consider the interview a way for you to get to know the folks that make the Austin comedy scene one of the best in the country. And if you enjoy this podcast, please rate and review us. Today, I am sitting down with the co-host of the Cackle Shack open mic on Mondays, and they perform at just about every showcase around town that you can imagine. And they were just announced for the 2022 JFL Moon Tower this uh, coming April. So that's pretty exciting. So here we go. Our comedy, our guest today, Comedy Wham presents our guest, Brandy Davis. Thank you. Hi. Thanks for having me. Thanks for the introduction. Yes, absolutely. Uh, welcome to the confusingly located uh, <laughs> Comedy Wham podcast studio. I wonder if it confuses everyone as much as me. I'm the only one. <laughs> no, you, you're you not the only one, uh, but that is why I, I did that little map. Very helpful. Uh, but you have definitely outdone most people in your ability <laughs> to still get lost <laughs> with my little map. Yeah, yeah, I am the most directionally challenged person ever. And you were like, just use the map I sent yeah. you. And I was like, oh, I can't raw read maps, even this very simple map. I <laughs> <laughs> I've lived in Austin for nine years and sometimes people oh are like, gosh. oh, how do you get here? And I'm uh-huh. like, I cannot tell you. <laughs> or I still use my Google Maps to get everywhere in the city. Yeah. And my friends are like, you've lived here for a uh-huh. decade. Yeah. No. It's a character flaw. <laughs> <laughs> maybe uh, we, I, I confirmed if you hosted any other shows, maybe that's part of why you're, you know, because this is not actually an easy location to get to the Luster Pearl. I, oh, I don't yeah. think it's very easy to get to, but, yeah. you know, obviously I live way out here. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, maybe that's why. You're that, maybe that's limiting. why I don't host a show, because I wouldn't be able to find <laughs> yeah. the location for my show, <laughs> and I wouldn't be able to guide people to yeah. it. No. Well, I'm so happy to have you here. Um, I am I'm very excited, uh, and I'll share some of the reasons why I'm excited to ha- have you and sit down and talk with you today, but I do have an official icebreaker question. Okay. And that is one word to describe your past. Wow. It's a good happy <laughs> icebreaker. Um, geez. Probably like just tumultuous, maybe silly. <laughs> tumultuous and silly combined. That's, That's two words, but tumultuous, tumultuous silly. silly. Yeah, I like I'll it. I'll combine it. <laughs> I like it. 
Uh, do you want to give us uh, any insight as to this dichotomy of, of <laughs> words? <laughs> uh, yeah, I just, uh, I, <laughs> so I do social work for a living, like okay. outside of stand Oh, God's work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> something like that. Uh, so I've worked in homeless services for like six years, but in between I, I got basically burnt out from doing it after the first year Mm -hmm. and then I like escaped to the Grand Canyon and I was in the conservation corps there and so I did like 10 hours a day of manual labor like doing trail work and we slept outside and there weren't showers (laughs) and we we were 10 days on five days off and then I went right back into doing social work so maybe it's like (laughs) the tumultuousness is like uh, the job being really stressful and then (laughs) <laughs> taking three months and just living in the Grand Canyon. Yeah. And, wow. And then coming right back to it. But no, it, I mean, it's good work. I like it. It's just, uh, yeah, it could just be kind of draining. Yeah. But I mean, now I do more like helping people learn data entry. So it's like not direct service anymore. Mm-hmm. But then the silliness, uh, I just feel like I'm, I always try to <laughs> be silly with whatever yeah. is being thrown at me. Yeah. Like if things are going bad, I just try to find a... You, find you almost, funniness in it. Yeah, and you almost need a, def- a defense mechanism or uh-huh. something to protect you and relieve the stress of what you're you're doing. Totally. Yeah, social workers, we have to have humor and some, yeah. some dark humor, typically. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah um, where where did you grow up? I grew up in Arlington, like DFW okay. area. All right. Burleson. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so. about the right response. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I grew up there and then I went to ut uh studied social work and uh-huh. stuck around so yeah and i'm so glad i don't live in arlington anymore <laughs> <laughs> well you know it's got the at&t center i mean that's yeah yeah it has six flags i like six, it has flags. six flags yeah yeah <laughs> and i lived in the panhandle for a couple years when i was i was born in amarillo and so okay. i lived with my grandparents in the panhandle in this like tiny tiny little town uh-huh. it had like 700 people in that town, and the grocery store burnt down, and they just didn't build a new one. Oh my and gosh. so everyone has to drive like really far to go to the grocery store. Oh, wow. it, there's like more people in the cemetery there than uh-huh. in the town. Oh my god! So, <laughs> uh, growing up, did comedy have a role in your life? Um, you know, I feel like I was more drawn to do comedy just because I was kind of raised by, um women that were really great storytellers so like my Mm. biological mom had four sisters and they're all just like awesome wild women and they are just phenomenal storytellers my my aunt diana she likes to drink vodka cranberries but whenever she has a couple she'll just start telling all these (laughs) stories and i no one knows like how true any of it is but so i feel like that kind of uh inspired my own storytelling or desire to Mm -hmm. tell stories so my grandmother is also a great storyteller just like the kind where i could just hear the same story over and over again yeah so, yeah, not not just like directly comedy, but just being around people that had a natural knack for humor, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So. So going to school specifically for social work is, mm-hmm. is okay, so you're a good person at, you know, inside. <laughs> I suppose. Social worker, automatically. Good yeah, automatically. There are never bad people that work in social work, right? <laughs> I'm sorry, it almost made you do a spit take. <laughs> no, okay. Um, what drew you to that t- 
type of... To social work? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I really was more, like, creative geared, and I, I wanted to do more, like, fiction writing, but I didn't really think that there was work in that. My mom was always like, study what you want. And I really mm. like to write short stories. And I still do some. So I really wanted to do that. But I was like, ah, that doesn't really seem like a clear career path. And so then I really went in initially for psychology because okay. I thought I wanted to be a therapist because I mm. just saw like mental health, like my own personal mental health issues I dealt with and within my family and just being like, why didn't anyone tell me about like mental health issues huh. growing up? It just, it didn't, I didn't know that that really existed until I was personally struggling with it. And then it clicked that there were so many people around me struggling with it. And so then I, so then I felt like I wanted to help people who had similar issues. And so I wanted to try to do therapy, but then, um, you know, that's like psychology PhD if you go that route, which is a longer route. Mm -hmm. And so then I learned about social work and I learned about how you can do lots of different work and you can work with all different kinds of people. Yeah. And you can like, if I still wanted to go the therapy route, I could have gotten my master's in social work and, and hmm. done the therapy route. But I, um, I, but then I got connected to homeless services and so started doing that work. Yeah. It's a long answer. <laughs> That's fine. That. We have time. Um, so at what point did performing comedy come onto your radar? Did, had, did you do any kind of performance when you were in school? So in high school, I was like a theater nerd. Okay. But I wasn't good at it at all. <laughs> I would never get cast on any shows. So I did, I did all the sounds and prop stuff okay. and lights and all the tech work. Uh -huh. But I always really wanted to be. But then, uh, we would do like some improv stuff in high school and uh -huh. I felt better at that. And so, and, you know, I was a big like Tina Fey fan growing up. Mm -hmm. I love Tina Fey, probably my first celebrity crush. Um, <laughs> And so then when I moved to Austin, I started taking improv classes, ah, but okay. I wasn't good at improv. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, people tell me that I am good at improv, uh -huh. but I don't, I don't believe them. I just, um, I liked it and I took like six levels of classes and uh -huh. I was like, it casted a couple like student main stages. Yeah. Um, but then I, but I, and I had dabbled in stand up in college. So I like went to a couple open mics, but mm -hmm. initially I just didn't really feel super welcome. Like just because initially, just because it was probably just the mics I was going to or not knowing people, but I just felt like there wasn't a lot of like women in the scene. There weren't a lot of queer people. There weren't a lot of people of color. And so I stepped out, but then, um, my friend Angelina, she's a really good friend of mine and she just kind of stuck through all of it, mm -hmm. you know? And, and she was like, Brandy, just do five open mics a week for two months uh -huh. and you're going to start getting booked on shows. And I did exactly what she told me to. And she's like, you're going to get addicted to it. And I did. <laughs> and so, yeah, it was just kind of transferring from improv to stand up and mm -hmm. I just fell in love with it. Yeah. I want to go back to the improv and this self-assessment that you made about how <laughs> you weren't good at it because now it's yeah. the second time that you've said I'm not wasn't good at something. Were these classes like at the fallout or at, in school? No, the, I took uh, all my classes at the hideout. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it was more like narrative-based yeah. shows. but So uh, what was your – since you were taking classes, what uh -huh. was your barometer for saying, well, I'm not very good? Well, I do feel like with improv uh, – 
being able, I guess, to like be become characters. I'm not great with. I mm. feel like that side of it is kind of more connected with acting, yeah. and so I don't think I didn't feel super confident with myself like taking on characters. Mm-hmm. But I like to do it, and I feel like I'm probably. I mean, I'm saying I'm bad at. I just feel like I'm was a lot more comfortable with stand up. Like when I started doing stand up, yeah. I was like, I feel comfortable doing this, and I feel like. <laughs> some cat Here we go. <laughs> Um, yeah, I just felt more comfortable on stage doing that, and pretty, like, early on, my peers were just really supportive of me, and were just, mm-hmm. like, you're really, you know, being really encouraging, yeah. and so it made me think, like, oh, I feel like I could do this. Angelina is such an amazing advocate for the LGBTQ, the queer community, and yeah. that's uh, such a blessing that you were friends with her to kind of push you to to give stand-up a try. Um, oh, yeah. She's the best. I probably wouldn't be doing it if she, yeah. you know, wasn't part of it, too. After that, whatever, the two-month period of you, you know, going ahead and, and pushing through it at her at her encouragement, did you, did you feel a little more like there were others like you that you could oh, yeah. be friends with and connect with? with in the, in the oh scene. totally yeah I mean once I was more established in the scene I think also in the beginning it can be kind of scary because you don't know anyone mm-hmm. and so if you just go to one open mic where it just happens to be only only yeah, white like men or something <laughs> that's <laughs> like the one some, I always pick on <laughs> yeah something like that or just a lot of them I mean yeah because uh, yeah I definitely feel like there's still you know aren't enough uh women and people of color and things the same but but yeah once once I was more established of course like I have great community and um yeah. there's like a great community of women comics and queer comics and yeah so it, it feels like really tight-knit yeah and have you know my so most of my best friends so and then given that one of the things that you had wanted to do originally was write stories mm-hmm. how natural or comfortable did it feel for you to to be um I don't know how to say this that you drew on that skill and interest to right from the get-go do stand-up in that way. Yeah. Yeah, because I definitely, before stand-up, just wrote more short stories. So, yeah, I mean, I think my style, especially more recently, I've been kind of dabbling with more storytelling mm-hmm. jokes and and just like, because I think a lot of the the jokes that I do are just inspired from kind of uncomfortable situations that happen to me, mm-hmm. like my most uncomfortable <laughs> situations or embarrassments and being like, I want to make this funny because because yeah. I, then I think a lot of times audiences really relate to it. They're like, oh, because uh, a lot of my jokes are pretty queer, but I, uh, I feel like a lot of straight audiences relate to it too. This is, they can like relate to some of my individual experiences and they're like, oh yeah, yeah. not that way. Or, yeah. I, this is part of why I was so excited to have you on because, and this happens from time to time where, but the COVID kind of accentuated this where Mm -hmm. you see somebody who's fairly new in Mm -hmm. the scene um, and then COVID happens and Mm -hmm. you just don't see anybody Mm -hmm. for a while. And then I saw you, uh, I thought I thought I saw you twice. One, I can't remember where, but the another one was I saw you at Mixtape, Leo Garcia's Mm -hmm. show. And that was a fun show. Yeah. And I remember just thinking, oh my gosh, she's like blooming. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It's like, it's all coming together. And I, I, I definitely, uh, felt like she's, she's figured out, um, 
how to connect to, you know, the straight audience. Cause I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a straight audience mm-hmm. member mm-hmm. and I felt like what you had written and the way you delivered, like you're so approachable and kind. That's like the person, the persona you have on stage and you write in a way that, you know, a straight person like me can totally relate and, and find amusement in. That's good. And yeah. I was just so excited that I, you know, it had been a while since I had seen you and then seeing you and thinking, ah, <laughs> they did it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I've definitely <laughs> been feeling more confident on stage and having, yeah, just better stage presence. I feel mm-hmm. like, which that took a little bit of time because yeah. I, uh, tend to care a lot about it. Mm. I know I know there are a lot of people that, that don't really think too much about what they're going to say before they get up there, but yeah. I like plan a oh. lot. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Right before COVID, it was, it, I felt like I was really um, achieving some of the goals I had and mm. I, and I felt like I was just growing more as a comic and liking the jokes yeah. I was writing more and, and just being able to experiment a little bit more on stage. And I was like, just kind of getting my door in, in getting my foot in the door at cap. Like I mm-hmm. had just performed at punch for the, for the first time and like featured there for the first time it was finally going to the open mic. I didn't go to the open <laughs> mic there forever, which is so dumb. And, and then COVID hit and I was like, crap. And I know yeah. it was such a bummer for everyone, but, um, yeah, that was, it was tough to, to be away from doing something I love so much. And also like the community, you know, I would just be kind of like sitting there in my house and be like, oh, it's Thursday. Where would I be right now? Mm-hmm. I'd be at the Velveeta Room open mic. And then I'd be sad oh. and like cry a little bit. <laughs> but hey, we, we came back. <laughs> we're, yeah. we're here again. <laughs> Did you have any feelings of, well, let me let me ask it differently. How, what was your thinking? Were you a, oh, maybe this is a sign. Maybe I step away from this altogether or, oh man, mm-hmm. I cannot wait for this to come back. Yeah, I was definitely, and I can't wait for this to come back. Yeah. For sure. And, and yeah, I just felt like it was kind of stunting my growth. I felt like I was losing time, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm <laughs> not going to get a y- <laughs> younger, you know, but I'm like at a good age, I feel like to be trying to propel myself yeah. and trying to do it seriously. And so it just felt like it was kind of, yeah, taking some yeah. time away. Well, and but. especially since you had just gotten punch you were getting attention yeah. from cap city so yeah. those are like those are great markers of progression in the austin comedy scene yeah Once those you accomplish those big like, goals for me yeah. so uh yeah well so and i'm glad i got to do that before before yeah. um covid struck because it's also like it feels um really affirming to get booked on such you know in mm-hmm. great shows like that yeah so um yeah, I just missed it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and I did not like Zoom shows. <laughs> I did not like them. I tried I tried to, uh-huh. but it just didn't feel the same. Because yeah. I, I feel like that I love the audience, right. and I love, like, feeding off of each other. And I feel like that's what's so beautiful about, like, live theater is it's, like, these people in this room, and they're all mm-hmm. experiencing this together, and it's never going to be – it's never going to happen like right. that in the same way again. And it's just like, it feels like you're just talking to yourself in your apartment. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if you know, we did. Oh, no, I'm, I'm really, I'm dating on your Zoom shows. I was on one of your Zoom shows. Okay, I'm sure. just totally bashing you in your Zoom shows. I'm so Get sorry. Here, I'm so sorry. That was so tactless. No, but, but we needed them though. <laughs> now I'm backtracking. I like dug a big hole. I'm like, I hate your Zoom show. And now I'm like, wait, I love it. <laughs> No, 
I, t- I do feel like we needed them though. And we needed to be able to do comedy in a safe space, yeah. a- in a safe way. And if we didn't have those, that would have been even more sad. So like, yeah. I'm saying I hated the Zoom. I liked doing the Zoom show. It just didn't feel the same, you know? So, Absolutely. So it was yeah. like, it was like, it felt like something like doing comedy in a way and being creative in a way, but it just, uh, I always felt like it was, you know, missing. Well, the thing that you loved after. couldn't be provided. Right. Through exactly. the Zoom show. Exactly. And yeah, it, it definitely took a certain personality type or a certain adaptability yeah. by the people that wanted to keep doing them because they realized, mm. you know, this is temporary, but I need to get my stuff out. Right. And for those people, it worked. And right. Yeah. For I sure. Mean, you were- a lot of people really excelled with it. For yeah. Sure. And I and I really respect them. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah uh, I you are not the first person that has said that. And then I say, well, you know, we did a Zoom show. Oh, my God. Well, it's good. No, it's good that you did because it was really needed. I'm just saying I'm glad yeah. that, that I get to be alive and right. do it live again. So, yeah. yeah. Do you remember what your first uh, show back was? Oh, my gosh. That's a great question. Oh, yes, I do. It was – um <laughs> that took me a little bit. But it was uh, Hunter Duncan's uh, Cher- Cherrywood show, his, like, weekly okay. Tuesday Cherrywood show. Yeah. Yeah, I remember because I felt so ex- – there were so many people there. It was still kind of like, uh, wait, no, and I did a don't tell show. So I basically did – I was kind of like creeping. I had I wasn't quite vaccinated yet, so I was still being really safe. And But these shows were outside, mm-hmm. and I think the numbers had gone down a lot at that time. It was kind of like right before everyone started getting vaccinated. But, um, so there, so I did a couple outside shows there and the cherry one, one, there were so many people there and it was, so it was a big crowd and it was just like, you could just feel all the energy. Yeah. I felt like people were really excited to be gathering again and seeing something live. And I felt so nervous. I felt like I'd never done stand up before <laughs> in my life. <laughs> I was like, I, yeah, it was like the first time. And I think a lot of people felt that way. Like yeah. getting back, they felt you know, relearning things. I definitely right. felt like I had to relearn, especially the stage presence mm-hmm. and the confidence because I had all my jokes, but also it was like, oh, are my jokes even going to land anymore? Because it's been so much time, but it was all fine. Did you, did you go back to your previous material? Had you been writing new things in light of COVID or did you just, yeah, some blend of the two? It was really, I know during, during COVID, I was thinking, I was like, oh, I have all this time to write. I mm-hmm. should be writing and I should come out of COVID with a fresh hour yeah. <laughs> and just, and have all this awesome material. But I, yeah, I, I was really hard for me to write because I feel like a lot of times working out material at open mics is so helpful. Mm-hmm. And I know there were some also Zoom yeah. open mics. I didn't do any of those. <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, so it was, it was hard to write to not know when I might perform it. And it just felt kind of useless because, it just felt like I don't know when that's when that's gonna happen yeah. or if it's gonna happen. So I didn't write a ton of new stuff during COVID, um, and so I kind of went back to my jokes. But I definitely punched it up a lot and changed it. And and then as soon as as soon as I started doing it, then I immediately started writing new jokes. Mm-hmm. And I did. And like like basically once I went to my first open mic, I like of course had all new jokes for that. And um, so yeah, I feel pretty happy with the new material that I've written in the past year. Yeah. I feel like it's been going over well and it's been going over sometimes better than my old things. And that's always reassuring because sometimes I feel like I write a funny joke that, that hits all the time. And I'm like, 
I'm never going to write another good one. <laughs> it's never going to happen again. Uh, so it's good whenever I do and then it, yeah. it works out and then I'm like, okay. Yeah. So your personality type is very much, you're very hard on yourself. <laughs> oh no. Am I coming off that way? Yes. <laughs> oh no. I wasn't good at this. I wasn't good at this. <laughs> but I really was. I really genuinely feel like stand up is the only thing I've ever felt like I'm good at. That's awesome. I tried so many things. I tried basketball. <laughs> I didn't make the team ever. I was a B. I finally was a B team bench warmer in my glory basketball days. Yeah, guitar, theater. Yeah, yeah. I did. I writing was good. I could write some short stories. (laughs) Good, good. Yeah. Um, Okay, so let's uh, let's talk about this. This, this joke we started making before I even we even turned on the the, the recording. Uh, you're the co-host with Angelina of the Cackle mm-hmm, Shack, mm-hmm. which had been uh, Scott Stickers, mm-hmm. Luster Pearl open mic on mm-hmm. on Mondays, and then the joke was that you uh, you don't host anything else at this point. No, I don't, and you know I really do want to. Like that's a goal for 2022 is to start okay. hosting something, but kind of out of feeling an obligation, mm. and and for me to have some kind of credit for people to introduce me <laughs> as, <laughs> because I have I used to host uh, before the COVID I hosted the the Bricks and Comedy Hour, which uh-huh. was passed along to me from yeah. it was Yola and then Nikita pa- Yola passed it to Nikita, Nikita passed it to me, but then that uh, bar closed down, and. And then I just didn't know another because yeah. I I yeah it's it, I do want to and I want it to be something that's it feels like me you know mm-hmm. and so so you know it would be good to have like a little show that's like my baby and it and I feel connected with it and everything but it, yeah it is so much work and I do just like to be on other people's shows <laughs> it's so much easier. Do you think that when you do, if you do, that you're going to be, you're the type of personality that just wants to do kind of a straightforward showcase type? Or do you uh, have some creative ideas brewing in your brain for for something different? I have no ideas, but I do want it to be creative. (laughs) No, yeah, I I think I, I really have a lot of fun on those kinds of shows where they have comics do weird, wacky yeah. stuff that's not stand-up. And uh-huh. those are always the shows I have the most fun. It doesn't, it doesn't even feel like I'm working because they're just having us do silly things. Yeah. And so like Drunk Spelling Bee, I love being on Brett's Drunk Spelling yeah. Bee show. <laughs> it's awesome. Um, so I think I would want to do something that's like comedy, but then you incorporate some other kind yeah. of silly thing. Yeah. But it's, it can be kind of hard, I think, to make it work smoothly. When it does, I think it's so much fun. Yeah, there's yeah. that hot pepper show that was fun. Where they hot pepper? Uh, oh, I, yeah, uh, yeah. That was like before COVID, COVID didn't before it? COVID. Yeah, yeah. Audiences really just love to see us being tortured. <laughs> That's their favorite thing. <laughs> they like to see us in pain more than anything. Yeah. Oh, okay. you know, eat a habanero pepper. Oh, that just seems brutal. Mm-hmm. That just seems brutal. Uh, you got some pretty exciting news in the last week that yes. uh, you've been picked up. I, this is your first time? So, yeah, this is my first time. Uh, I did, someone dropped from a show in the last Moon Tower, uh-huh. and so they put me up. So I was, like, on a show on Moon Tower, but uh-huh. I wasn't, like, officially, you know, yeah. a part of Moon Tower. And, you know, I didn't have my little name yeah. on the poster. So yeah. I've, I've been really, I'm super excited. I'm really excited. Yeah. It's been a big goal and dream, of course, Yeah, since I started. So Yeah. Well, and it's, you know, 
14, however many, 500 days this this yeah. time around. So it, lots of opportunities to get to, you know, mingle with people that you, know, you probably are a fan of and you could watch how they do what totally. they do. And, yeah. Yeah, I'm so excited to see my heroes uh, and get to perform with them. And, um, yeah, that was – it was really awesome, that first Moon Tower, to get to see some of the those shows and um, get to see people live that I've always been a big fan of their comedy. So, mm-hmm. like Amy Miller, I love Amy Miller and got to see her and Hannah Einbinder and, you know. So – and, yeah, that was great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um Amy, uh, I got to I got to see her actually for the first time mm-hmm. this one, and yeah, she's she's had a blow up year this oh, past yeah. year. Oh yeah, they're just such pros. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's kind of cool cool to to see people progress and oh totally. Um, you seem like goal setting is really important to your your way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Do you have besides a show? Besides landing Moon Tower, are there other goals that that you set for yourself that you'd be willing to to share? Yeah, I mean, I think I also just have goals with with writing and making sure that I'm writing new material. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I try to make sure that I, you know, actually sit down and spend time to deliberately write, like, you know, at least two or three times a week ideally mm-hmm. um and just making sure that i'm going to open mics and trying new material and stuff so those are like the little goals but as far as like big benchmark goals i mean i'm just super excited for for cap city to open and i um really you know when it, when it you know hit the open my car yeah. and so i would love to once it opens i would love to try to get more more work there and um do you do you think that the the story writing part of you can ex- coexist with the stand-up part of you in terms of like if that's something that you grew up uh-huh. thinking that that's what you wanted to do and I'm thinking about you know as a mom yeah uh, thinking about your mom saying well you know go ahead and, and pursue that but you being uh-huh. more practical and, and uh, thinking about the, the therapy which became social work yeah. Is that a part of you that you think you could pursue now that you have this experience with writing super short things that go on stage? Oh, uh, like like going back into writing a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah, it's I think about it sometimes because that was kind of my my first love was was writing short stories, mm-hmm. and then I just abandoned it when I fell in love with stand up. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, I definitely still have a desire to write, but I've been more wanting to write screen screenplays and mm. things so I've like taken a couple of screenwriting classes and I'm kind of veering more into that because it does yeah. seem like whenever stand-ups are actually successful <laughs> eventually if it ever happens yeah. that it can kind of segue into kind of writing for tv and, yeah. and that would be amazing so I'm trying to just at least have that skill um and hone that a little bit uh because basically with the with the short story writing I just felt like I, I know some people are able to do both and that's wildly awesome, uh-huh. but it just seems like both of them take so much dedication and it would be hard to, to balance it. Like I would have mm-hmm. to put just as much work that I put into stand up into writing short stories 
to make it to be actually be successful with it because it, it seems sometimes kind of <laughs> wild to be pursuing stand-up as a career path because it's just yeah. so uncertain right but I feel like anything that's a creative field is like that like if I was like oh well, I think I want to go back and write short you know and pursue that it would be it would be just as challenging to be successful as like a writer or yeah. try to do like a some kind of being a perfect like creative writing professor as it would be I think to be pursuing stand-up but yeah I mean I I would like it. I think I could do both if I didn't have to work. Well, sure. <laughs> if I didn't have to yeah. work my, my, I would love to just wake up and then, you know, have my coffee and then write short stories and write jokes. That would be a good life. <laughs> I, I don't know why I've, I have this like notion in my head and I have to, I have to put it out in the universe. But, uh, when I think about the, the style of your jokes mm-hmm. and I think about you as a, as a short story writer or just any, any, kind of writer david sedaris comes into my head okay and i don't know if you've ever heard him or read Uh any of his books but he just has and he's not ever been a stand-up but he does he performs Mm -hmm. across the country uh you know reading from his his books yeah i've read some of his stuff and he does like personal essays which i've dabbled in but not as much i was always more writing fiction yeah but yeah okay well we'll We'll let that sit. All right, we're gonna we're gonna take a little uh, intermission, if you will. So I've been okay. trying this out with uh, my recent interviews, and my friend Richard Goodwin, who's our web guru, got me this uh, game called "Where Should We Begin?" And you saw me draw these two cards from the deck mm-hmm. of the game, and you're gonna pick uh, right hand or left hand for your little short story prompt. Okay, I'll do the right hand. Okay. Also, I realize I've been talking myself up as a story person, and now I have to deliver. <laughs> now you have to deliver. I have to show yeah. that I am. <laughs> okay. Oh, that. Okay, I don't like this because I could have <laughs> sworn recently somebody. Uh, Did someone do that? Maybe one? they repeat. Draw a new one. Yeah, let's do that. All right, or just you know. All right. All right. Okay. <laughs> oh gosh. I'm scared. <laughs> a conversation I need to have with myself. <laughs> a conversation I need to have with myself. It sounds like I need to give a pep talk to myself. It sounds like I'm self-deprecating. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes, it is. Here I am with my hands on my com- hips. A saying, conversation yes, you do, I need to have with myself. Yeah, and... <laughs> Probably a conversation about like getting organized. I'm very, I'm very messy. <laughs> this is a great story. <laughs> I'm doing so good at storytelling. You're very messy. You get lost easily. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you talk to myself about that. <laughs> Maybe um, instead of talking to myself, I need to talk to a therapist. Hi, I think that you would know. be better. It's always a good thing to yeah. do. <laughs> I'm definitely not trained in in the in those arts. Um, no. Um, I'm going to go into my, my, uh, uh, way back machine because there is something that I didn't ask you that I should have asked you before. And that is, tell me about that very first time you performed stand up. The very first time. Okay. The very first time was bad as it is for everyone. (laughs) Uh, no, I went to the, it was like the midnight mic at spider house. Okay ballroom and um that was whenever i was still in college so i lived in a dorm like right by there 
and was super nervous and, and walked over there and, um, you know, it was one of those things where you like put your name in the hat or whatever and they draw you. So I didn't go up until like one thirty in the morning or something. And, um, I think Clarkson was hosting it and, uh, Sahana Srinivasan, I think was hosting uh. it at the time. But yeah, and um, you know, of course it didn't go well. It was one thirty a.m. There was one person, and I'd never done stand up before. <laughs> but then, you know, and then and then I then I went away for a while, and then the second time was uh, this is kind of cute. But we Angelina and I went to our first open mic together, and it was her very first open mic, mm. and so it was kind of and it was like my first open mic of like actually trying oh. <laughs> and going for it um and we we met up at her apartment and we practiced our set for each Aww. other before we went to the open mic which is just <laughs> really cute and kind of sad <laughs> and that one i think we went to the bull set and that went better that's uh -huh. whenever i started being feeling better about yeah. it yeah what what do you love about being a performer i i love like getting to connect to audiences and I, I really do enjoy the storytelling aspect. And I think that's can be really powerful. Just like people connecting with each mm -hmm. other through stories and life experiences. And I just really, <laughs> I just like making people laugh, which sounds so just basic, <laughs> but I really think like laughing is the best feeling that we can have yeah. that's not you know like um drug induced or like an orgasm i feel like laughing is the the best thing yeah and so it's just fun to just be laughing with people and to help you know yeah help people laugh it's the, yeah it's the best yeah and given so. your career path it's necessary like you mm -hmm. you need that fuel to get you mm -hmm. through the yeah and i like it better than it's like immediate, you know, mm -hmm. like you get that immediate response and immediate feedback. Mm -hmm. And so that's super rewarding. I think that's also why it was more appealing than writing because yeah. sometimes no one reads it. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned that you thought you were better as, as an actor. Is that something? I know you said you were going to work on some screenplays. Do you have it in mind that you want to act in your own screenplays or you'd like to get practice as as an actor in other people's projects? You know, I don't really think I'm very good at acting. <laughs> you Damn it, Brandy. I'm just kidding. I am a great actress, and I am going to be, I'm going to write a screenplay, and I'm going to be the lead in my screenplay, and it's going to be a hit. Uh, that's the conversation I'm having with myself. No, I... Uh, kudos, kudos. Uh, no, I I think I would want to write more screenplays and have other people. There yeah. are so many talented yeah. stand-ups that also act, and mm -hmm. I think that would be cool if I was able to write a, a short film and, and have people act in that. Or, or um, people are really doing well with making web series and stuff, mm -hmm. so that's awesome. But I really just want to write screenplays and kind of submit them to like different they have all these different like writing fellowship programs yeah. and I and I know those are so competitive but I do operate well on goals so just like having a deadline to submit to something even if it's super competitive I really just want to write things to do that and then I know that I'll actually get it done mm -hmm. um so yeah did I answer your question oh yeah yeah <laughs> no I don't want to act in it but but I uh but I, you know, I, I was asked whenever Nikita, she did, Nikita Rykar, she did a, a web series and yeah. she had me play like a little s small role and that was fun. Yeah. Um, so if, if anyone asks me to, I'll do it. Yeah. 
<laughs> if you want someone who's not very good at acting, I'll be, I'll do it. No, I'm sure that is, that would be something, I feel like I'm kind of hindering myself because of my experience in theater in high school, mm. but I'm very different than that now. And yeah. I'm more confident. And <laughs> yeah. Clearly, clearly, I'm so confident. No, but so I, I would like to dabble in it again. Um, but I, if I wrote something, I'd want good people to be in it. <laughs> So I cast somebody else. You're terrible. <laughs> I know. Oh my gosh. Such a buzzkill on this. That's a stand-up show. Yeah, okay. that is. You've mm-hmm. been on. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm quite confident. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is there anything you don't like about being a performer? Uh, I don't think it's that I don't like it. I think... Um, mm, Well, I don't like to bomb, but I don't do. I don't. I don't. I'm not trying to write. I don't bomb very often, so that's good. Um, I think it's just that that feeling. I think like a lot of comics get in where it's like hard to think of new topics to write jokes mm-hmm. about, or it's um, yeah, just hard to create new material. So that's can be kind of stressful. Yeah. But but then once I do, it's. <laughs> But if, like, finding the inspiration for jokes, I think, is hard. Or, or like, getting in a rut where you are just really tired of... That That might be the thing I don't like. Mm. Is, like, telling jokes so often and, and you feel tired of saying them. But you also know that it always lands. Yeah. Sometimes I can do that, like, where I play it a little bit safe. And I do, like, my five minutes that's been working mm-hmm. for a long time. And I'm, like, tired of hearing myself say it. <laughs> but, uh, but that's just you know, writing new jokes that you like as much and then being able to throw those out. So yeah. that always feels good when I can throw out something I've been saying for a while. Be like, I don't need to say that anymore. Yeah. So. Do you anticipate yourself being, uh, getting to setting a goal of maybe recording an album or a special? Oh, oh yeah. That is a good goal. <laughs> no, I definitely do. I don't know when it's, it's hard to, I feel like some people do it kind of like earlier on, Mm -hmm. like some people record albums when they're like five years in or maybe less. And then some people wait more and it's like they've been doing it for 10 years or or whatever. So I I feel like I would want to to feel really confident with what I was putting out there. And I have have a solid probably 25 to 30 minutes that I feel pretty really happy with. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, I would love to record an album in the next at least like two years, like I think that that's totally reasonable. Yeah. I would probably just want to have another <laughs> 30 minutes that I yeah. that I feel really proud of. So, Yeah, because it sounds like from the comment about, you know, sometimes you feel like you're just playing it safe by saying things mm-hmm. that you, you're, you've gotten tired at the moment. Of, you've gotten tired <laughs> of saying all the time yeah. that that would be an easy way to retire it. Easy, oh, but yeah, totally. then you're right. You have to be yeah, ready with it, more new stuff. And yeah. <laughs> That, that is really a good point, because then you'd have to. Yeah. You can't keep saying them after right. that. <laughs> well, so. you can. Some people do. That's, yeah. you know, I think the the uh, wild, wild west of stand-up comedy, where there is no, mm-hmm. there's no perfect formula for how you're supposed to be a stand-up comic, and some people definitely adhere to the, well, uh, it's fully retired, never saying it again, and others are like, well, but this one was so good. <laughs> people want to... That's Want to hear this one. <laughs> That's true. For sure. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, you are so, like, quick at answering all my questions. This is, uh, I'm trying to draw it out so people know more about you. 
Um, let's see some of my elaborate more. <laughs> or you could do that. Uh, no. I'll just go back do, and answer We could all go the back. Questions. Yeah. We could go back and, and play the game again. Uh, is there something that, uh, uh, ooh, do you want to get political? Sure. <laughs> uh, do you think the Austin comedy scene, um, does a good job of supporting LGBTQ plus comics? Oh, and wow. And audience members. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Yo, <laughs> that is a big one. <laughs> I mean, I think so to a certain degree. I mean, I like whenever we have, sometimes we have like all queer showcases mm-hmm. and I always love being a part of those. I mean, a lot of times it's like typically during Pride that we have those, yeah. but um, I mean, I think the best thing is just when people are creating their lineups, like being cognizant of that they're, that they're diverse. And, mm-hmm. um, and so I think, you know, I kind of feel like, <laughs> I don't want to say anything that's going to get me in yeah. trouble on this, but um, <laughs> I, I think I noticed before it was like very, I felt like there was a uh, certain awareness kind of before COVID that, mm-hmm. that lineups should, you know, always have people of color, black people on lineups and women and queer people um, so that, and that just makes the show better too. Right. Like it just makes the show so much better for for the lineups to be diverse um, and then lately I feel like I've been seeing some more lineups that are just like, uh, all like white guys, all white, on dudes, them. Yeah. All white guys yeah. on them. Um, and so that's always disappointing to see cause it's, there are so many talented, um, queer performers and women performers and trans performers, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and, yeah. and black performers and people of color. So there's just like so much, so many people that are talented, um, that people could have on their shows like really easily. So. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a, a self perpetuating problem, I think, because there's the scene has grown just mm-hmm. crazy big. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's a sign of our growing city. And it means mm-hmm. that now audiences can, you know, they can go to the show that has the all white male aggro type of lineup. Yeah. Or they can go to a show that they know, has a, a solid, you know, ethical diversity, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, component to it. And uh, that's part of the growing city. And I think mm-hmm. those comics who uh, migrate and get booked on those those white aggro shows, and I, I'm the one that's going to get in trouble uh, probably for <laughs> saying it, is you know they have a harder actually i'm not going to get in trouble because this came up with my live podcast we were talking about this Mm -hmm. that those comics that you know a lot of times those and i'm not talking about you know the joe rogan level Mm -hmm. shows i'm talking about the smaller showcases Mm -hmm. if you're just basically booking your your white male friends then it may be that you're doing that because you can't get booked on other shows Mm. Uh, you can't get booked on a sure thing. You can't get booked on a buzzkill mm. because those shows care more about diversity. Mm-hmm. And so you just book with your, your white male friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if you have the staying power and you understand how the stand-up scene works, eventually you have to learn to play 
with others in the sandbox. And you have to learn, well, you know, maybe it's not the best thing for my, if I'm committed to a long-term career, mm-hmm. maybe it's not the best thing for me to only play with my white guy friends mm-hmm. on shows. And maybe I need to demonstrate that, you know, I'm, I care about diversity and I want to be booked on these other shows. So I'm going to do the kind of work that it takes mm-hmm. to get booked on those shows. So I think those types yeah, of shows are kind of a, sense. you're young in comedy and you don't know better problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. some people, it's just kind of a lack of awareness, but they mm-hmm. gotta, they gotta, gotta do it. Yeah. <laughs> but, and so maybe yeah. someone, you know, maybe no one's just ever really talked to them about it. So right. it's something that I feel like I could also be more vocal about, you know, like if I'm ever on shows like that, well, I'm typically not, <laughs> like, yeah. I, like, but you know, or just, just yeah. if I feel calm, you know, being able to talk with them about it would probably be a good thing. But, but then in general, as a queer performer, yeah, I mean, I do feel really welcome in the scene and, and, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I always yeah. get, I've, you know, I've gotten really great opportunities and so I'm always really thankful for that. And, and I do feel like the audiences are really receptive because sometimes I do, I do, Anytime I see a couple audience members who look queer, I'm like, it's going to be a good show. I see, I see like a woman with short hair yeah. and she looks like, you know, she's like, she has kind of queer vibes. Uh-huh. I'm like, okay, this is going to be good. But I shouldn't really judge crowds like that because a lot of times I'm performing for almost entirely straight audiences and, yeah. and they love it. And it's yeah. great. Like, like you were saying that it, it, it goes over well. So, um, yeah, because I just did, I did a show around the holidays out in um georgetown uh-huh. i forgot what it was but um i went out there and the crowd was all people that were probably 60 and above hmm. 60 70s uh-huh. and and so and um i was freaking out because i was gonna be doing 25 <laughs> minutes and i was like oh my gosh they are gonna hate me they are not gonna like me because my stuff is so raunchy and gay sometimes yeah. but then they loved it yeah. and there were these two little old i shouldn't call them old there are these two <laughs> lovely women sitting on the front row and they were just they loved it i couldn't look at them in the eyes <laughs> <laughs> because some things because yeah and then at one point i was like my grandmother wants to come see my comedy uh-huh. and, uh, and everyone all of them go no uh-huh. <laughs> like no she shouldn't see it because they, they liked it but i think you know not not for my grandmother yeah. <laughs> to hear about my strap-on jokes and stuff like that <laughs> uh, yeah that, that uh, i've heard a couple of things about people doing georgetown shows and you know I, th- I think Mike Eaton was on and he talked about doing a show up there and getting basically, you know, booed out <laughs> because he was uh, very, very, uh, he, he said some things to kind of bait the conservative audience. Oh, uh, okay. But it was, it went really well. Yeah. It was really, it was a really fun show. And it was like um, the first time in a while that I didn't, that, did that long of time, uh-huh. which I really needed because then a couple of weeks later, I got to headline Sure Thing for the first time, and I, I felt better about it because I'd done yeah. a longer set recently. So, And yeah. I was like, oh, if I could perform for the geriatric crowd and, <laughs> and they would like me, then this will be a piece of cake. <laughs> That's the second insult you've thrown my way. No, I, you're not. Me and my gray hair, you're insulting the geriatrics. No, I get it. you're not geriatric. <laughs> <laughs> but I shouldn't say that word. <laughs> I have really enjoyed giving you such a hard time about this. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad I need it. <laughs> uh, is there anything that we haven't talked about that you want people to know about you? 
Oh man, I feel like that's like the question at the end of the interview where they're like, do you have any questions for us? And then if you don't have any, you don't get the job because you look bad. Yeah, this, uh, is, this will de- decide whether or not I, we actually yeah, post your, your episode. I, yeah, if I don't say anything <laughs> really interesting right now, it's not going to go on there. Um, I don't know. I used to play rugby. <laughs> <laughs> Which is very typical. Okay. We have we have a rugby team. Have you gone to Valkyries. any games? I haven't gone to the games, but I do. I am a fan of the Valkyries, uh-huh. and I so I used to play at UT for a little tiny uh-huh. bit of amount of time because I got injured. But so I uh-huh. met friends who, and a lot of times UT rug, women's rugby players will go play for the Valkyries. So uh-huh. I know some of the players uh-huh. there. So yeah, well, that's great. a humble brag. <laughs> Yeah, I'm best friends with the Val- the women's Val- it's it's a, it's such a scary sounding name, the Valkyries. Yeah. Like it's it sounds pretty badass, but I'm trying to think, isn't that a song? I mean, it's not a song. It's a dang it, the flight of the Valkyries. Oh my know. gosh, it's a oh I feel terrible. This is it's a it's like a big composition, orchestral composition, and it's used in so many movies. If you're not familiar oh, okay. with it, look it up also. Well, I mean, I can imagine if I knew how, I'd like Google I and hear. play it and wait, you know, listen to the Flight of the Valkyries as we as we sign off on. Oh, on. that would be amazing. That would be such a beautiful way. <laughs> it just depends on if it's uh, free, free rights. Yeah. <laughs> and if I can throw that in. It's probably not worth it. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, if that's it, then I think we're ready for your, uh, your closing question. Okay. Yeah, I think, I think so. (laughs) One word to describe your future. Successful. (laughs) I hope. (laughs) Why did you caveat it? (laughs) Okay. Successful period. (laughs) Yes. We're going to have to work on that attitude, Brandy. I know. Oh, my God. I just have no idea how I'm coming off. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. All right. Well, that is a wrap on Comedy Wham Presents Brandy Davis. Tell us where we can find you on social media and your shows and projects that you want to talk about or promote. Yep. You can find me at Brandy Davis Comedy, B-R-A-N-D-I Davis Comedy, not the Bricks and Comedy Hour Instagram that's still active that I need to delete. (laughs) So, and, um, and then I'm on Twitter as, uh, Lil Brandy Davis, L-I-L Brandy Davis. Yeah. Okay. And I cackle shacks are every Monday. I mean, it is an open mic. It's so not the same caliber as a showcase, but Angelina and I are really trying to get people out there so that comics can actually work on their jokes and have people that are listening to them. (laughs) And so they can know if their their new stuff is funny or not. So we're trying to build it up. Very good. All right. Oh, and the Moon Tower in April. And the Moon Tower in April. Yeah. Go check her out. And then there'll be more things down the road for her. Yeah. <laughs> we hope you've enjoyed learning about how Brandy got to be the comedic genius you heard today, just uh, as much as I have. <laughs> not a genius. I just can't. Oh, I'm a genius. <laughs> <laughs> this has been Comedy Wham Presents Brandy Davis. I'm Valerie, and that's been funny. Thank you, Brandy. Thank you. Thanks for having me.